0: good morning lindsley avenue good morning. good morning it's good to see everyone here today we're glad to have you here glad to have some uh, new faces here we're glad you are here uh, the sign out front says all are welcome here we mean it. it ought to be meant everywhere here we mean it and try to show so glad everyone is here we're going to be having as has been mentioned uh, a meal afterwards so please if at all possible stay and eat with us Otherwise, there's going to be way too much food left over, so we don't want any of that. This morning, as you can see on uh, the slide that's on the screen, we're talking about the next thing to add to our faith, and that is godliness. But before we get t- kicked off with that, I want to ask, once again, all of the young folks to come down front with me. Won't take long. We're going to have something embedded in the slideshow that some of us have seen before, so this is something all of us can try to do. You need a piece of paper and a pencil. All of you are going to need something to write with, and if you want to have some help to make sure you don't miss something that's on the screen, then find somebody to sit next to, and that's okay. Cheating is encouraged only this morning. <laughs> You need some help to have something written down. It's not cheating. If you're told it's okay to get help in a group. But what you're going to see on the slides after this one, you know, usually I have yellow letters, right? And I have white letters. I know it gets boring after a while. But this morning, we're going to have some words that show up in a different color. I want you to write down those words in order through the, the slides this morning during the sermon. And they're going to kind of, and I, I think summarize what it's all about when we're talking about God's Yes, ma'am. They will be on the screen spelled correctly, I hope. But if you get close to it and simply know what the word is, spelling will not count. Max? Um, What if there's not enough time for you to spell the word? I will try not to go uh, too fast, but that's where you can get helped with someone sitting near you. (laughs) Here's the problem. Well, now if you if you if you want to make sure you get the words down, okay, sit with someone. Perhaps uh, you know Miss Lisa back here might be able to help. I know she's done that before. So anybody that just wants to make sure you don't miss any of the words, go sit with somebody and say, hey, anybody, how about this? Who's willing to help anyone that might want help this morning? I see lots of hands up, and they're all people you know. So if you need someone, sit next to someone who can help you. Just find somebody to raise their hand. Okay. So the word will be, and you don't have to stay up here. This so is the last time I have to be up here this morning. But words in a different color that's not yellow and not white. It'll be obvious when you leave it on this next slide. It's going to be obvious there's a word on the next slide you need to write down. Sometimes two or three words. Okay? Mm-hmm. If you don't have paper, you can get the handouts. There's room on the top of the handout or something like that to scribble on. It. Yes, Max? Uh, I need a third surface too. This looks like a bunch to scribble. Try your best, maybe there's a psalm book or something, you could always use your your knees, sometimes I write on the knees. It's the same post pants. Do your. I will simply say, do your best. Well, use you this. You can use that, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Just take care of yes. it, okay? Everybody know what I'm asking? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alright, go on back and sit, or sit next to someone who would be willing to help. <coughs> Raise your hands again if you're willing to help. You can go to somebody with hands up, they'll make sure you get the words scribbled down okay. And there is a reason for doing this. There's a surprise afterwards you get the phrase down, okay? Thank you, everybody. Once again, I encourage everybody in here, if you can, to scribble down at least pay attention to the phrase that's going to be up on the screen. To the phrase. Last time I had Lolo, I think, read it out loud, or she was the one I heard most of it. So hopefully at the very end of the class sermon today, we'll have both, then there will be a way to all to pretty much say the entire phrase that I intend. Try to pay attention to the words that are not in the different color, right? But I want to focus on that. We'll make it a little more interactive. <clears throat> all right, so is everybody ready to get started? Yes. No? Nope. Yes. All right, so here we go. It all adds up godliness. Now, let's see. Hmm. Is there a word on that screen that looks a little different from all the others? Okay. As we had read to us just a few minutes ago, 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7, for this very reason, because we have left our lives of sin living for ourselves, we've left being godless in our lives and have put on Jesus for this very reason, giving all diligence, we need to work at it. We need to add to our faith, we talked about that, our knowledge that God is real. That's why we have left our lives of sin. We need to add to our faith virtue, that's the idea of working at it hard, living up to our full potential, doing our best. We talked about that with an athlete, it's the best time they've ever had. They put in effort and they've done the best they can. Add to your faith the ability to work hard at something, to your uh, ability to work hard at something, translating your virtue, add to your virtue knowledge, the ability to understand what God wants from us, what God wants us to do, how God wants us to live, and to knowledge of self-control. We talked about that two weeks ago. And what we said about self-control is that's actually kind of in some ways a bad name for it. Because it's not me having control of myself, it's God having control of me. If I'm living for God, if I have God living within me, God should be in control of my life. Many times when I am in control of myself, In the old way of thinking, I'm living in a rather poor fashion. I'm making lots of mistakes. Aim for having control of yourself by God having control of yourself. And then last week we talked about patience. That's endurance. That's not giving up. That's not losing control of myself by losing patience. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but inwardly, raise your hand up in your mind. If I ask, did you lose patience this week at some point? It's a good thing you can't see my hand going up. It's an easy thing to do. It really is. But when I lose patience, what I'm really essentially saying is, my time, my desire, my want was more important than the people around me. I'm the important one here is what I'm saying when I lose patience. Not what's going on around me. And it's a hard, hard thing to get control of. But the way you get control of it is by living more for God. So we're going to talk about godliness, the next word there. The word that's underlined, but not the word that's in the different color. And then next week we'll talk about brotherly kindness. I'll also say sisterly kindness. And do brotherly kindness love? We're studying these qualities. These are things we should have as members of God's family. The question is, do we have them? What does God want his children to be? So we're going to talk about godliness here this morning. The word translated godliness in the original, remember the Bible Bible's not written in English at first, it's written in Greek. Most of us don't ever have exposure to Greek, but the original word meant something different than we might think of when we hear the word godliness. It was the closest word the Greeks had 2,000 years ago To our idea of religion right they didn't have the word truly religion they would use this word but it meant the same as what we would generally think of as religion so what can what can we learn from their definition as to this meaning of religion this meaning of godliness okay everybody got the next word That one's at the last point. What can we learn from their definition then as to the meaning of religion? Well, the great characteristic of someone who possesses this quality is that they look in two directions. That's what was meant originally. They're looking in two directions. The one who has this quality correctly worships God and gives God what's due to God but also always correctly serves neighbors and makes them a priority. How interesting. What this word godliness meant to the people who originally heard it, the people who originally read it, is I need to add to my faith all these qualities and I need to add to my faith the ability to give God what is due to God and to always give to my neighbors what's due to them. know, when I realized that, I thought to myself, they are going to really think all I can ever do is repeat myself. Because what have we been talking about time after time after time in the past? Being a Christian, being a member of God's family is not as complicated as many people want to make it. Because it all boils down to loving God and loving my neighbor. That was our first years of resolution when I was here. Loving God, loving my neighbor. <clears throat> that is what's meant by this word translated godliness. I need to add as a quality to my life the ability to put God in the right place and love and serve Him, and to put my neighbor in the right place and love and serve my neighbor. The one who is godly is in a right relationship with God and neighbor. So what else do we do about that? It points out the intensely practical character of the Christian religion. Christianity is not meant to be, as we were having our discussions in class today, it's not meant to be something that's so mind-bendingly complex that all you can do is break out in sweat because your brain's working so hard. It's meant to be practical. It's meant to be do something. And so when I'm serving God, it has certain aspects of that. And when I'm loving my neighbor, it has certain aspects, they're all uh, demonstrated in practical actions. When one becomes a Christian, we acknowledge in the sense of double duty, right? To God and neighbor. So my first challenge question in the morning is, how are we doing on this? How are we doing? How am I doing with giving God his place, things that belong to God, to God? Living the way God wants me to live. And how am I doing putting my neighbor ahead of myself? Only you can answer that for yourself. How are we doing with godliness? Living for God. Living to serve our neighbors. What does the Bible say about godliness? In each of the verses we're going to look at, there may or may not be a word in a different color coming up. But there's going to be a word that's underlined. The word that's underlined is the same word that's used for godliness right here in Peter. So here we go. Acts 3 12. In Acts 3, this is right after Pentecost, right after that first big sermon where Peter is recorded to have spoken to all these people gathered from that great feast. And then sometime later, Peter and John go up to the temple. And on their way to the temple, they see a lame person, a person who's got problems with their legs and can't walk. And the person looks up to them, hoping to get some money. And in the process of talking to them, he says, well, I don't have any money, but what I do have, I'm going to give you. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And so Peter, through God's power, heals this man so that he gets up and walks. And everybody gathers around like, whoa, what would you do? saw somebody who had been unable to walk sitting at the corner for a long time suddenly up and jumping around we'd pretty well freak out too, right? So Peter then says to them right here in verse 12 of chapter 3, Peter saw, when Peter saw this reaction he addressed the people men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why are you all freaking out? Why are you all reacting this way? Why do you stare at us? Why are you looking at me and John right here? As though through our own power or godliness, there's the word. Through our own power or godliness, we have made him walk. It's not us. It's God. God's the one that made this person walk. And so it's not that we have power to change people. And it's not because we are living so well for God and loving our neighbor so much that we were able to make him rise up and walk. God's the one that did. So there you go. Power or godliness Shows up right here in Acts chapter 3. 1 Timothy 2, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. First of all, in the first place, Paul says to Timothy, I urge that, and then there are several words here, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. That we take people before God in prayer for who, who's all people include. For genes and those who are in high positions. I wonder how many places today prayed for the president, prayed for our government, prayed pray for the mayor, prayed for council members, members of Congress, members of the Senate, prayed for leaders of other nations, We pray, supposed to, for kings, presidents, senators, fill in the blank here, for people in positions of power and authority, why? Why should we pray for the president today? Why should we pray for the president tomorrow? Because that's what Paul's telling Timothy. Is it that legislation can be passed that will make us better off? Is it that things can change so that what we think ought to be done will be done? Well, what does Paul tell Timothy? Pray for kings and people who are in high positions that we might have a I cheat here, a lower tax rate or that we might have policy positions that we think ought to be put in place put into place. That's not what he says at all. The purpose of praying for people who are kings and people who are in high positions is that we, God's people might live a peaceful and quiet life. Godly and dignified in every way. The word godly is the same word used for godliness. That we might be able to live our lives giving to God what's due to God and giving to neighbors, people living around us what's due to them. It's not a selfish <clears throat> reason behind this offering prayers for people who are in positions of power. I think we need to remember that. would know, be it'd Really, if there were some way to have hack into all the video of all the congregations within 100 miles it'd be an interesting percentage to see how many people pray for people in positions of power and authority we are to do it not that things change that you, if you want change for things that are going on but that we might be able to live a quiet and peaceable life putting God in the place that God deserves and <coughs> keeping our neighbors ahead of ourselves Back up in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. His divine power, God's divine power, has given us, granted unto us, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything given to us is all we need for living our lives and to have God in the right place and neighbors in the right place. We don't need to find new uh, revelations written and deposited into the side of the hill. We don't need a decree from a council. We don't need anything because when Peter's writing this somewhere 60, 70 AD, he says God's divine power has granted unto us, some translations say given to us, all things that we need for life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. By knowing Jesus, by becoming a member of God's family, we have all we need. No need for light appearing from heaven or digging up some text that had been buried in a hill someplace. Here's an interesting statement. I used to use this when I would tease an individual who uh, went to the gym all the time. I'm not opposed to going to the gym, walking, exercising, whatever, but this person lived in the gym. And he didn't believe me that this statement's actually in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Paul says bodily exercise profits little. It actually should say profits a little bit. Okay? It does profit a little bit. It is good to stretch. It's good to exercise. God is giving us a body. It will last longer if we make sure that it's you know, we move around and all that kind of stuff. Bodily exercise profits you a little bit, but whenever I see the word but, I always try to pay attention because One thing has been said, but an important part's coming. It's good to exercise, but godliness is profitable to all things. Having the promise of life that now is, and of that which is to come. So, Jay, go to the gym, stretch, do those push-ups, sit-ups, whatever you may do, right? It's good, because you don't want to get to where you can't move your... You know what I mean? Right? But more importantly godliness affects this life and the life to come how is that in this life i believe that's a focus on doing things for other people if nothing else doing things for other people make sure that i'm not the important one in the mix put other people ahead of yourself and in the life to come by becoming the kind of person god wants me to be i'm preparing to go home and live with god so even if you're at the gym Even if you're walking around the block Even if you're simply getting up periodically Out <laughs> of an easy chair, whatever it is Remember Godliness, putting God and Giving God his due, putting God Where in the place he needs to be And our neighbors and their place Has a promise of the life that now is And the life that is come. In 1 Timothy 6 verse 11 Paul writing to Timothy says, but you, O man of God, and he says man of God, because Timothy was man. But you, O man of God, flee these things. Flee all this. What kind of things was Timothy being told to run away from? Greed. You need to stay away from greed. Everything is God's. It's not mine. It's not yours. Why would I want to be greedy of things that don't really belong to me? Run away. Flee from greed. Flee from controversies and arguing. Some people seem to be born in an agitated, argumentative mood, and they never change. Don't argue, don't get into controversies, let it go. I know that's a song from Frozen, but let it go. It doesn't matter in most circumstances. Don't be, you know, argumentative. Run away from controversies, let it go. Until at least we've got our lives the way God wants them to be and we're loving our neighbors the way we should. We need to run away or flee from immoral behavior. You can't really live for God if you're putting your own wants and desires ahead of living the way God wants us to be. And a real important one, run away from anger. People are so angry today. There's a characteristic that seems to be one characteristic you could say describes most of the country is anger. Everybody's angry. Usually at each other. How do I become what God wants me to be which would be a peacemaker? But anger describes me this last week. I need to run away from that. I need to focus on living peacefully. Remember that's what we, why we pray live peacefully so that we can put God (coughs) and give to God God's view and give our neighbors what's over them in general run away from sinful behaviors if God says don't run away from it if God says don't do this leave it run away from it run away run away from all these things and pursue run away from those things and run toward what Righteousness, doing good things, having a right standing relationship with God. There's godliness again. Run toward putting God in the right place and putting our neighbor in the right place. Faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Most of the world is running toward those sinful behaviors. And they seem to be wanting to run away from these things. But we can be different. We can be different we must be different we are to be the light of the world we are to be the salt of the earth we are to be the ones who are different in a world that sometimes is very dark we can be different second peter three eleven. some of you will know again this is my favorite verse in the entire new testament says, everything will be destroyed in this way. What kind of people ought you to be? You know, when we were coming in this morning, there are a lot of buildings right downtown. They're all going to be destroyed sometime. <clears throat> Nashville won't be here anymore. Tennessee won't be here anymore. The United States won't be here anymore. The Great Atlantic Ocean, think of all those waters. It's all going to go away because in an instant, the world will no longer be. Since everything's going away, what kind of people should I be? Should I be a person who's chasing after money and riches? Should I be chasing after power, political or otherwise? Should I be chasing after somebody, someone, or pleasure? All these different things I might be focusing on are all going away. So since everything that I see, everything I can handle, everything I can... Interact with, it's going away. Peter asks this question and answers it. What kind of people ought I to be since everything's going away? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Since everything's going away, focusing on material things, focusing on a position of power, who was president in 1874? I imagine somebody. Most of us know, raise your hand if you think you know, who was president in 1874. I'm suspecting Grant, but I don't know. At one point, somebody was one of the most powerful people in the world in 1874, but we can't even remember who they are. Time continues world eventually is going to go away. What kind of person should I be? I should be someone who focuses on being holy, that's different, and godly. Having God where God needs to be and my neighbor where they need to be. We ought to live holy and godly lives. We should live our lives loving God. Notice there's a red dash right there. see that red dash? writing something down, make sure to put the red dash there. That's how we should live our lives loving God and what? Loving our neighbors. I find it amazing that that is the basic point of being godly and living a life full of godliness. Put God in the place God needs to be, which is in the top place, the number one place. Give God His to you give our neighbors their due, nowhere in there does it say about what I'm due, does it? Because I always come last. God first, neighbor second. <clears throat> me, doesn't matter. Because my entire purpose is to love and serve God and love and serve my neighbors. Does that describe you and me? that's a hard thing because many times I know it doesn't. There are times where I bubble up to the wrong place. When I sin, I bubble up to the top place. I put God down here. That's a bad place to be. When I ignore my neighbors who are in need, when I ignore the the help I ought to be giving, I put myself here and my neighbors are here. Does that describe you and me living my life our sins separated us from God and required a sacrifice—an extreme payment. That payment was made by Jesus. That payment was made by Jesus. This morning, He has already paid the price for all of our wrong choices that we've ever made. All the things that would separate us from God, He has already. Paid the price to reconcile us, to allow <coughs> us back to God, and God, to begin living godly lives the way we should. So if there is a need for you today to come and recognize that Jesus paid it all, the time will be in just a moment when we stand and sing just a moment. If you're already a member of God's family, but that order we've been talking about of having God here, others here, if that just doesn't seem to describe how my days have been going, then the time will be now to make that right. To come and to pray to God. We'll pray with you. Ask for God to forgive, to help you, and we will gladly help you. We all need prayer. So if there's something that we can do to help you, the invitation is yours. please come home to God today as we stand. And sing.